A first call. Doris and her mountain home. On the porch stood Nicholas Durant, looking wonderingly upon the mother and daughter, but giving no utterance to his thoughts. You are our cousin Nicholas from Ardis, said Dorothy kindly, and extending her hand as she spoke. Yes, I am your cousin, and cousin to your daughter, and he held out his hand to Doris after giving that of Dorothy a cordial shake. Uncle Nicholas and all the rest of us are glad you have come, he said as he took the chair Dorothy offered. I hope you were glad to come, and Cousin Doris was glad to come, turning to Doris whose hand was yet tingling from his strong grasp. It is very pleasant to me to be again in my old home, Cousin Nicholas replied to Dorothy. Of course, all is strange to Doris, but I am hoping she will in time like Switzerland, as well she loves Italy. Uncle Nicholas said to tell you he would come to see you if he was able, but he is not, so you must come to see him. Thank you, but he is as well as usual, I hope. Oh, he is only lame, which one must suspect of an old soldier wounded in the leg. I have often told Doris of the lovely valets your grandmother had in the windows that looked out on the balcony. Are there any growing there now? That I don't know, replied Nicholas Stolidy. Your cell is all the time dragging flower pots in and out, but whether they have valets in them I can't say. Who is your cell, Nicholas? asked Doris. She is our old housekeeper, and there is plenty for her to do in a large house like ours, besides others from the village to help her by the day. I suppose it is much larger than our house on Mont Ioso. I should think so, replied the young man, rather scornfully. It is not likely that any houses in the hamlets there could equal ours, when Ardes and Schulz can't show another like it. It's the finest place I have ever seen in all the twenty years of my life. Why, the stables and granaries and other outbuildings are almost like a village, and the cellar is finished as well as any part of the mansion and has pillars like a church. I have often thought of the old church in Ardes and of the beautiful carved doors. I suppose they are still there, remarked Dorothy. Yes, I suppose so. I never noticed the doors. I don't care to go there and would not go. Only uncle will not let me stay at home. I don't like to stay in one place so long. Would rather be out in the sunlight. I love to hear old Melchor preach because it is on the street corners. And besides, I can understand him. Where is Melchor now? asked Dorothy with interest. Is he still gardening? Yes, he takes care of the garden and grounds at the sanitarium, and in another place in Shoals in summer, and in winter he lives with his relations in Sant. He was in America once, when he was young. Yes, I remember, though, I was but a child. It was at the time dear Papa died, and I went to live with my mother's relatives. I was but four years old, but I remember hearing them speak of Melchor selling to America. He says he carried you on his shoulder many a time when you were a baby. Yes, he was always welcome at my father's house, and grandfather and grandmother paid him every respect. He is a sincere Christian, always doing good in his humble path in life. This is only the beginning of my visits to you, Cousin Dorothy, said Nicholas, rising to go. When snow comes, I will come and take Cousin Doris out sleighing. You need not look surprised. I am in earnest. 
We have plenty of fine horses in our stalls, as Doris shall see when snow comes. Wish our household goods were here, Nicholas, that I might offer you a cup of coffee, said Dorothy. Suppose it has not gone out of fashion in shoals to offer coffee to a caller? I don't know whether it is in fashion or not, but I know that I would stay and take a cup of coffee with you if you had it. Cousin Marie said that she supposed you would bring your Italian customs with you and have nothing to eat but onions and macaroni. I hate them both, but any time you offer coffee, I will stay. Tell Aunt Marie that we have other things in Italy besides onions and macaroni, said Doris as he passed out the door. She should see the marrowy chestnuts that grow on Montrosso and the clusters of juicy purple grapes. I will tell her, answered Nicholas, smiling and thereby showing two rows of large, strong white teeth, and he shook the small hand of Doris and departed. Nicholas is a good boy, said Dorothy, as they returned to the broad window seat in the parlor, which they preferred to the chairs left there by Marie. He has not seen much of the world, and of course is not so broad-minded as those who have traveled. But why need all our relatives think there are only substantial comforts to be found here, and speak so slightingly of Italy? Plus, I do not wonder at Nicholas thinking this, for his uncle is a great landowner, replied her mother. They have everything needed in their way of living, and Nicholas would consider our simple home on Montrosso very poor indeed. But we did not live a poor life, Mama. We were richer than Nicholas with all his wealth of land. We lived a beautiful life, especially when dear Papa was with us. Truly we did, replied Dorothy, her bright, beautiful eyes filling with tears. But Doris, the time past here lives in my memory as does that past in Italy. It does not appear strange to me as to you, for my childhood days and a year of happy girlhood are associated with my father and his relatives and all were kind and indulgent to me three days passed and mother and daughter had transformation in the old house it was really a comfortable home made bright with the pretty things they had brought from the cottage on Montrosso, the handsome paintings they had kept in remembrance of the husband and father among them the view of the old home on the north sea and their blooming plants they had been so busy adjusting their belongings that they had been no time to think of study. But when all was completed, Dorothy went to see the pastor to ask his religious instruction for Doris and also his advice as to a teacher to whom could be instructed the continuance of the education for which a good foundation had been laid by her Morrissey's and continued by Dorothy. He promised to attend to both requests and called the next day. He was gratified to find that Doris had been thoroughly and faithfully trained in the Christian life, could answer all questions intelligently, and was a conscientious girl who earnestly desired to perform to the best of her ability all the duties which devolved upon her. It was decided that she should read the good books he loaned her from his library, and at the coming and nearer communion should unite with the church. He had also spoken for a teacher for her, and it was arranged that for... Two hours each morning she was to be one of a class of girls which met at the cottage of a widow in Shoals, who was known as a competent teacher, occupied with these pleasant duties and in the society of her loved, companionable mother, time never hung heavily upon the hands of Doris. The autumn glided away, and winter was upon them, and she scarcely noticed the change from that of winters beside Lake Magor. 
Her mother's relatives were kind to her in their way, their only grievance being that she did not visit them so frequently as they desired. One of their customs, which did not meet with the views of Doris, was that of a meeting of relatives and friends at the house of her uncle Matthias or Jacob every Sunday afternoon. That they had been to church in the morning was sufficient excuse for Catherine and Marie to invite their acquaintances from neighboring villages to supper, whereupon much preparation was of necessity made, and the Sabbath not spent in the way to which Doris and her mother had been accustomed, and they declined to accept the invitations. Doris carries her head a little too high and looks down upon us in our ways, and Dorothy, as usual, has no mind of her own. But must follow her lead, said Marie angrily after one of these refusals. The girl would rather sit in her room like a cloister nun and read religious books, replied Catherine. Never did care to see an old head upon young shoulders. No, and she has no right to set herself up as being better than we are. If we had games and other amusements as some families do, she might have reason to refuse to come. But when we only laugh and talk and enjoy a good supper, where is the fault, especially as we all go to church in the morning? Their dissatisfaction increased as time passed on, and they finally complained of Doris to her mother. No, no, do not consider it pride in her, said Dorothy. She is but a child and has no thought of setting up her opinion against her elders. She is glad to visit her grandmother and all of you, and often speaks of your kindness to her. But she prefers reading the books the pastor gave her to visiting on Sunday afternoons, and is happier to pass the day, as she has always been accustomed in our Italian home. The first visit of Nicholas was by no means his last. Not a week passed that he was not there twice, if not three times, always remaining to supper. Uncle almost always worries if I stay after dark, but I can stay until then, he would say, and Doris would light her night lamp and go to her room to prepare the morrow's lessons. One evening she excused herself the moment supper was finished, whereat Nicholas was so offended that he resolved not to go again. But a day or so, after a deep snow fell, and his resentment was forgotten. By Sunday morning the sun shone brightly, the air was tempered, the sleigh not to be surpassed, and Nicholas rose earlier than usual, and passed back and forth between the house and stables, with such preoccupied air, and appeared so full of business that it attracted the attention of his uncle. "'What is going on?' he asked. "'I heard you working with the sleigh bells.' Large slaying party is made up to go to Zernay's. She will see herself for once driving behind a pair of handsome horses. Who is she? inquired the old man. Our new cousin in Shoals, whom you have not seen. Seems to me that you are seeing the new cousin often enough for both, commented his uncle. One should pay her some attention, said Nicholas sullenly. She knows no one here except our young cousins in Shoals, and they never think of her. You must bring her to see me. It is not likely that I will be able to go see her. I will if she can spare time from her books. It appears to me that she thinks of nothing but books. And his face clouded. At length all preparations were made. The glossy, well-fed horses champed their bits. The handsome sleigh was gay with brilliant robes. And the many bells tingled merrily in the clear morning air. The short distance was soon traversed, and with a flourish, Nicholas drew up before the cottage of Dorothy. He sprang out and knocked, but there was no response. He knocked louder with like result, and then tried the door, but found it locked. "'There is nobody at home,' said an old woman who happened to be passing. "'They went to church. I saw them go. They go every Sunday.' 
I did not suppose it was church time, said Nicholas, chagrined and disappointed. I expected to get here earlier. Well, I will drive to Scent and be back in half an hour. Dorothy and her daughter had in the meantime enjoyed the service and were walking home, discussing the points of the good sermon, thus impressing it upon their minds, when they heard the sound of bells, and turning saw Nicholas, who beckoned to them to halt, and sprang from the sleigh and stood beside them. "'Come, Cousin Doris,' said he, "'there's a sleighing party going to Zerny's, about twenty sleighs, and a lively company of young people, and you will get acquainted with them all. The sleighing is so perfect that it is a joy to glide over it. Step in, Doris, and be off.' "'No, Cousin Nicholas, I thank you, but I will stay at home.' "'What?' exclaimed Nicholas. "'Has the pastor forbidden your going anywhere on Sunday?' "'No, he has said nothing to me.' "'Nor I to him in regard to, to it, but I do not wish to go anywhere today. "'Cousin Dorothy, have you no rule over her? "'Can you not command her to go with me?' "'Nicholas, I approve of the stand she has taken. "'We have never been accustomed to going pleasuring upon the Sabbath. "'Believe it, we thank you for wishing to give Doris pleasure, but she cannot go.' Nicholas sprang into the sleigh, drew the lines upon the horses, and in an instant was out of sight, while Dorothy and Doris passed on to their home. The next morning, Nicholas paid a visit to Grandmother Durant. Anne-Marie, who had from her window seen him enter, was on the point of starting out to see what his errand might be, when Catherine, with her apron over her head, looked in at the door. "'Come over to Grandmother's,' said she. "'Nicholas is there. He has something on his mind, I am sure.' Marie was not slow to obey, so the two followed directly in the wake of Nicholas and stood by Grandmother Durant. As he complained of the ill treatment he had received from his new cousin, "'It is Dorothy's fault,' said Marie sharply. "'She's always held herself above us and stayed away from us, and is training her daughter in the same way,' said Catherine, coming to the help of Marie. "'They both act as if they did not care to associate with our friends. They are too good to come to our houses to supper.' On Sunday, and of course, Nicholas, you cannot be surprised if Doris refuses to go to a sleighing party with you. Doris is right, said Grandmother Durant. She is growing into a God-fearing woman, as was her mother and grandmother before her. I have always thought that your way of spending the afternoons of the blessed Sabbath not the right way, but it was the way you had been trained in your homes, and now that you are in homes of your own, it comes natural to you to have your acquaintances gather about you on Sunday. It may be that the dear child is the one appointed to lead us into a better way, and if so, I for one will not complain. She never asked her to... I shall never ask her to go slain with me again, said Nicholas angrily. She will go my way and my day, or not at all, and he left the room and the house. He went as frequently as ever to visit the Italian cousin, but made no mention of the slain party, but spoke of the pleasant walks they would take when spring came, to which Doris listened, but made no response. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic. Music